Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. Week 13 is upon us. Rivalry week. Like, unless you're like some of those oddballs like uh, Kansas State and Kansas, you play a different, <laughs> you play it a little bit earlier. Some people play it a little bit later. But this week is officially rivalry week in the college football schedule. We have the Iron Bowl this week, the Egg Bowl, and the game. Pitt upset Boston College, which is crazy, man. Like, how did that happen? Crazy. You know, Pitt. Pitt's like the 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 sleeper, and they're only taking down like top notch, top quality competition. But that's pretty interesting. I think they're just trying to disrupt uh, other people's postseason hopes and screw up their bowl game so they can go from a New Year six to like the the uh, you know the the Greenbow Alabama Bowl or whatever. Air Force drops his third one in a row, and JMU gets bounced by the rank of the unbeaten by you guessed it, App State. But the real question is, and we're going to cover this in the topic today, but who's the worst coach in L.A.? Welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer, you can call it Ring Knock Radio, and we like to call it two O's and an NCO around here. I'm your host, Rob, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I've got Dano Ikebeska calling out of Coastal Connecticut, and we got Trigger Joe coming to you live from the home of the Big House, which is probably going to be the largest contest of the week. Anyway, uh, this weekend I watched Army uh, beat a tough Coastal Carolina team. I thought that was a really good game. Uh, I watched Michigan have to put in a little bit of extra work against Maryland, and I don't know if Maryland is that good or Michigan is struggling. Uh, Only time will tell. There are quite a few teams that uh, showed that they were suspect this week that might have been peeking ahead at their rivalry week, and I'm talking to you, Auburn. (laughs) Like they paid 1.8. So the, the stat was they paid $1.8 million to New Mexico state and lost at home in a slobber knocker. Like, I don't think it gets much worse than that, but Hey, we'll take it. Joe, how about you? When'd you end up watching? You know, I gotta be honest. I kind of feel guilty for not giving the army my full support being that they provided me with my second family. Um, because that was a great win. I did not have them over coastal. Um, but I believe maize and blue. I watched my Wolverines have yet another struggle on the road in November directly before Ohio State, the game of all games. Uh, I saw the offense look stagnant uh, in times. The defense looked incredible in moments. And I watched four starters go off the field with injuries. And now the Ohio State game is giving me a little anxiety. Um, I also watched Michael Pinnock Jr. win the Heisman, in my opinion against a red-hot, tough Oregon State Beavers team in the pouring down, freezing Oregon rain. Uh, what a performance by who I think is the best college football player in America. Nice. Dana, how about you? So I was at the Army game, and we obviously just spent an hour talking about that on the other show. So I get in the car to drive from there to the Snow Bowl in Hartford, Connecticut, and I'm listening to Georgia at Tennessee, maybe 10 minutes. The Bulldogs are just beating that ass. So then I put on UNLV at Air Force, and the Zoomies start running all over the place. I turned it off. I thought they were going to win by 30. When they when I found out later that they lost, I was shocked. Like, I didn't even – I didn't give that game another thought. That was nuts. And then finally I finished with uh, USC at UCLA. I, I thought UCLA had a good game plan. I, You know, I don't think that's a great team, but I thought they were the better team that day. I enjoyed the game, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah, for the for the record, I will say this, and 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 it it seems to be true at what I said last week, and it and it continues to see that every time I watch Caleb Williams, he is like the best dude on the pickup game, right? Like he can create because he's so athletic, but when it comes to like his decision making down the field, good grief, man! Like what are you doing? And the other part of it is, is like you keep saying, like, hey, if I get drafted into the NFL, I'm not going to, you know, sign the contract unless I get a piece of ownership of the team. Brother, I'm going to give you a little piece of news. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to get you're not going to get any type of uh, fancy deal like that playing the way that you're playing. And that goes into a much deeper discussion. But Dana, let's hit the service academies real quick and then uh, we'll keep on moving. 
Yeah, man. Um, let's start with the mids. Uh, they won one of the sloppiest contests of the weekend at home against East Carolina. They won 10-0. Six turnovers. Both teams just looked bad. Gross. Uh, Navy has to go to Southern Methodist this week uh, to try to make it a little bowl game. That seems extremely unlikely. I mean, it's college football, so crazy stuff happens every day, but that seems extremely unlikely, which means the stakes at Army-Navy are going to go through the roof. I've been talking about, let's just hold out the Armed Forces Bowl as an open date. The winner, Army or Navy, takes it. That's that's my play. That way nobody else sure. gets screwed. Just It's just a straight play in, and I think yeah, America sure. would embrace that. No, um, I think so too. And then, you know, we saw Army come out, beat a, a really good Coastal Carolina team, came out in the flex bone and, and caught them boys flat-footed. 62 carries, 365 yards. That's almost six yards per carry. I mean, I don't know how much else you need to know, but that was that was a rushing performance. They put it on. Uh, Army-Navy game, December 9th. Gillette Stadium is sold out. The Navy, Navy uniforms came out. I hope we get a chance to talk about that in a minute because uh, we didn't make it to them on the other show. Uh, Army uniforms, as we are recording, still have not dropped. It's it's Monday night. We're recording this immediately after the Army show, and uh, we still don't know what they're going to look like, but I wouldn't give a bean to be a fancy pants Marine. I'd rather be a dog-faced soldier like I am, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely looking like uh, Rock of the Marn is going to be there. But uh, either way, uh, let's talk about the top 10. Joe, what you got? All right. Well, as Dano touched on, George just solidifies their number one spot and, and makes a statement handling Tennessee 38-10. Uh, Ohio State stays at two. They thumped Minnesota 37-3. to uh, Michigan stays at three, even though I wouldn't have been mad if Washington jumped them. Uh, had a scare at Maryland, but came out on top 31-24 after two safeties. Uh, Washington's at number four, and I think they made a strong case for their playoff spot by beating a very tough Oregon State team 22-20 in a really sloppy game where it was cold and raining. Uh, number five, Florida State bullied North Alabama 58-13 and suffered a devastating loss. Their field general, Jordan Travis, that one makes me sick. Uh, that was tough to watch. Number six, we got Oregon. They crushed the Sun Devils of ASU 49-13. At seven, we got Texas, who held off Iowa State 26-16. Uh, number eight, Alabama. Beat up on Chattanooga, 66-10, the big bullies. Uh, number nine, we got Louisville winning a thriller at Miami, 38-31. That game went back and forth all day. And then uh, number 10, we got Missouri. Hey, did I see something? Did I see Missouri flip-flop? Do you have my nine in any polls? Yeah, I, I think they made a – I think that flipped in the different – in the, uh, in okay, the all right. CFP rankings. Okay, but a hard-fought win against the uh, game Florida team, 33-31. So, um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. As of, as of this recording, the, the top four, the only real movement was uh, Washington flipped with Florida State. And I think part of that is because of the performance that Washington had. Like, the weather was horrible. Like, that was a that was a cold weather game for sure. And Michael Penix looked like all the stud quarterback that he is. But the other part of it is the loss of Jordan Travis at Florida State. That's going to impact their chances in the postseason. And as much as we would like to say that a, a injury shouldn't have anything to do with, you know, how the the, the writers or the, the committee looks at it, I absolutely think it does. Uh he went out hard, and it does not look like he is coming back for the rest of the year, so he's probably done. And that's just a shame because that kid was on a Heisman campaign and looked pretty solid, led his team to uh, you know 11-0 so far this season. Uh, hey, we know for sure that uh, something's going to happen between the number two and the number three teams because they are playing this weekend, so somebody's probably going to get bumped out. But then the question becomes, who's the who's in the driver's seat is the best one-loss team in America? Because Liberty is the only other undefeated team that is outside of the top five. And, uh, you know, they're a very, very strong group of, you know, they're a strong group of five team, but I absolutely do not think that the, the sports writers are giving them a nod over Bama and Oregon in the playoff if they had to take a one-loss team. And it's looking, that, it's, it's looking that way right now because, you know, without a self-inflicted wound, Doug is going to roll. I think Oregon's, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, they'll play it out. Whoever's the winner of that will end up in the in the the uh you know the undefeated big 10 champion that's what's basically every sports prognosticator in the country is saying whoever's the undefeated big 10 champion is going to make it into the playoff and then washington and someone else 
right? Is it going to be Florida State? Because uh, Florida State now has to go to, to Tallahassee and play without their starting quarterback. So anything can happen there. But uh, really, it's between Bama and Oregon to make their case on who's the, the best one-loss team. Guys, what do you guys think? Uh, who should get in with one loss, if any? I mean, on the very first recording this season, I said Alabama was my sleeper team this season. I want everybody to embrace the reality that they could 100% win the national championship from where they are right now. They have a straight path. They control their own destiny. It can happen. Yeah. If they went out, they bump off Georgia. Then you have two, you know, you have two one-loss teams in the SEC. You got a one-loss team in the Big Ten and then Washington. So you got Washington and the winner between Ohio State and Michigan and Bama. I mean, and there's room for one more. But you never know what these sports writers are thinking, man. It's unfortunate. Uh, other notable top top 25 uh, fracture side. So we're at 60 at week 13, and we still got rivalry week to go. Uh, the ranked on match, matchup still matter because, uh, again, the college football playoff committee, although they are only focusing in on the top six, uh, the pecking order still matters for other future opportunities in bowl games. You had Washington who took out Oregon, as Joe mentioned before, 22 to 20. Arizona beat Utah, man. Good Utah team lost to Arizona, uh, forty-two to eighteen. Arizona has peaked. Like, oh, been going on up there. Uh, yeah, they, they're playing incredible football right now. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a team and I'm staring down the barrel of a game with Arizona, like Arizona State is not happy because they were hoping that that Arizona would have continued to play the way that they did the first half of the season, and they are absolutely not. Clemson took out UNC, further dashes their opportunity to get into the uh, ACC championship. And then you had K-State that beat uh, Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown 43-20, to which is a decent game. Again, that game is usually good. I wish they would uh, move it to rivalry week, but given the way that schedules are going between uh, the Big 12, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. But speaking of things not working out, <laughs> let's look at James <laughs> in this Falcon week. <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I could not be any more serious about this one. Um, former Michigan linebackers coach, Chris Partridge. I am sure the man is devastated, so I won't celebrate at his funeral, but what could you possibly have been thinking trying to block the NCAA's investigation of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Has that ever worked for anyone? What made you think it was a good idea for you to try it? Uh, all of these are questions that I'm sure will be left unanswered. But the guy's a wildly, wildly successful high school coach that was feeding Michigan recruits every single year. So you get blessed and land your dream job of coaching at Michigan. And instead of coaching players up to go to Michigan, uh, you end up on their sidelines. Win-win in my book because Michigan has consistently put players in the NFL at the positions he's coached. Brilliant coach. No argument there. But when you put your personal agenda ahead of the team, you lost me as a supporter. It sucks that you lost this job. I have no doubt that you'll be hired on somewhere again, probably not at this level. But you put extra negative media attention on the University of Michigan at the worst time. And for those reasons, Chris Partridge... I'm sorry you got fired, but you are the Blue Falcon of the week. Wow. I figured you would take the home stance there, Joe, but that's good. Uh, speaking of coaches, so he may FBI and he tried to block up. Like, what, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think of it this way, he he may end up as a, like, uh, there's a there's a team in California that needs a defensive coordinator. So... Bond all of a sudden? Yeah. Like, not going to get away with that. Total insanity. But uh, topic this week, man – it's it's really it's really driving me crazy because like you know I saw I saw a quote I forget who it was one of the sports writers was talking about you know who's the worst coach in Los Angeles and we can answer that question at the end but the crazy part of this is is like Jimbo Fisher is going to receive seventy seven million dollars over the next eight years after losing his job at Texas A and M so uh, that being said like we know that there's some coaches on the bubble. And what coaches would you like to see, like, either get another opportunity or move on into something else? And I will toss it over to Dano first. So uh, what are your thoughts? Who do, who do you think needs to stay or who needs to go or who needs another opportunity? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. I was sitting there in the jury selection room this morning. Um, 
trying to ponder this. So I don't know if I have the world's greatest answer. We'll see. Um, I saw that Syracuse let Dino Babers go. I thought that was amazing considering the way the team started and they seem to start like that every year, you know, and even now they're five and six with a home game coming against Wake Forest, probably going to make a bowl game. Um, Temple head coach Stan Drayton probably needs a good year. I mean, he's only been there two years, but that program has struggled quite a bit this year. And if you take EJ Warner out, like they're awful. So that's a problem. I, I also know just locally, the honeymoon is over for Jim Mora at UConn. Like, it's a shame because that's a major rebuilding program. But, dude, they got dudes with pitchforks out in Hartford right now. Um, in terms of people I'd like to see get another opportunity, uh, the, with apologies, Brent Davis, Army's off, former offensive coordinator, I would like to see him land somewhere besides, you know, running game coordinator at Virginia Tech because he has – been a really successful coach and i think virginia tech has benefited from having him there and it would be cool to see him get like an o-line job somewhere and start rebuilding his career like i'd really like to see that and then the other the other guy still kind of stay in the northeast is don brown at umass like that program has been dreadful but they're making progress and and it's not progress like uconn had a good year and then cratered like UMass has been god-awful, and they're still god-awful, but they're not as god-awful. Like, you can see the progression. So um, I'm not saying, like, he's just got a titanic project there, and I, I hope they give him at least two more years because I don't know if anybody's going to come in there and do better. Yeah. I mean, and, and when you look at college football coaches, one of the things that you have to entertain is, like, how long do, how long do, how long is long enough? You know, because a yeah. year's not long enough. Two years isn't really long enough. Three years basically lets you get like a full recruiting, you know, recruiting class under your boat, particularly with all the guys that are punching at the end of their junior season to try and go into the NFL. So, I mean, three years is probably optimal. But if you're having suboptimal performance, man, like that's a really tough call to make. And there are some coaches out there that are really uh, not doing well. So we just lost Joe on the screen. I'm so sorry. I have my phone on do not disturb and somebody uh called and i don't know why how it came through but yeah please continue clearly, yeah yeah clearly disturbed you anyway joe uh what are your thoughts man no that, that is a good question and I, to be honest I, i'm gonna answer but kind of a little off topic as far as the coaching carousel goes i am honestly worried that harbaugh just might take his act to the nfl because he's sick of the ncaa and I know this isn't necessarily the question, but I wouldn't stay if every single year this was the reaction I got after going to the national semifinals. Um, I think if Ryan Day doesn't win on Saturday, and I supremely hope he doesn't, then Columbus will be calling for his scout. That is um, nuts. Like, I don't disagree with you, but that's insane. Not. But you have to be able to beat Michigan if you're at Ohio State. A uh, multi-million dollar contract. Uh, to coach football and if you want to keep your job in michigan you've got to be able to beat ohio state uh i'm sorry i think i might have said that backwards you got to be able to beat michigan if you're coaching for ohio state you got to be able to beat ohio state if you're coaching for michigan um i would like to see david braun at northwestern gets get hired and signed on to a full-time contract after the way northwestern's play this second half of the season um they're playing inspired football when it matters the most and that tells me a lot about him as a head coach and i think he deserves to be hired and I couldn't agree with Dan more about Don Brown. I love him at Michigan. He was great at Boston College. And as far as your point about how long is, is, is long, not long enough, but I mean, how long do you take Harbaugh to win a Big Ten title? Can you imagine if they let him go? You know, where would Michigan be? So I, I agree. They should give Don Brown his full, his full due. He's put a lot of guys in the NFL, um, the likes of Luke Keekley, um, guys like that. He coached directly. So Don Brown's a good one. Yeah, for sure. And then for, for me, you know, not that I want to see him in the American Conference anytime soon, but I think, you know, Coach Ken needs a, needs another head coaching gig, or at least offensive coordinator. Like, he's like a special assistant to the offense at UCLA right now. Obviously, it worked out for him at least this week because they beat USC, which is a pretty marquee matchup and a win. But, uh, uh, like, honestly, I, heard, I hold no hard feelings for a coach that has coached in a program for, you know, a decade plus and has 100 wins. I mean, like, that's just a waste of a talented coach. Uh, you know, a guy that can win with a, you know, a program as unique as Navy a hundred times and to just unceremoniously get fired and really not get picked up with another opportunity. So I think, you know, he's got a chance. 
again, wouldn't want to see him in competition against Army, but uh, definitely I, I'd like to see Coach Ken Yamamoto come off the bench. And then it's like, who's going to who's gonna take the A&M job, right? Because, like, you got really – you got two options, and I say you have two options, and I don't know how happy Lane Kiffin is at Ole Miss. I think uh, a lot of people like him for his offensive uh, abilities, but he's also a decent coach, and so that gives him opportunity to kind of, you know, retool at A&M. Plus, he'll have a hell of a lot more money at that program than he does at Ole Miss, and that's saying something because Ole Miss has a pretty deep, uh, it, you know. That doesn't seem like an, an an obvious upward move to me from Ole Miss to A&M. I mean, I understand they must have gobs of oil money coming out of their butts to, you know, let a man go for $77 million. Like, I do get the finances, but I don't see Texas A&M as like a more blue-blooded program than Ole Miss by any means. Maybe yeah. that's just my SEC bias. Yeah, I think there's a little speculation, I, but you know, there's a guy that's been kind of sitting around too for a couple of years, man. Coach Ogeron, like if you want a guy that you can get on the cheap, you know, and he's a good coach. I mean, he won a national championship, and and you know that it's going to be a rebuilding. Maybe he's a two or three year guy, and then you bring somebody else in. But uh, I, I legitimately think I think A and M is really going to be the big question mark in the off season is finding the right coach for that kind of money because Texas A and M has a boatload of cash and Jimbo Fisher I think it was like thirty three million in NIL money that he had you know tossing around and still couldn't win and like that's gross if you give any other coach in the SEC or the Big Ten that amount of cash like you're going to see NFL style you know team very quickly or very closely within a short period of time. But uh, the real question that I have to, to see is, man, like, holy crap. When you look at the money, I actually did the research. So Lincoln Riley got a 10-year contract at $110 million. So far, you've got an overrated Heisman Trophy winner and, like, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You know, like, whether you like, you know, whether you like, uh, like him or not, you know, Pete Carroll was probably one of the better coaches that USC had, took him to a national championship, even though it got vacated or whatever. But uh, the dude also knew how to coach Steve. He was done. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really the best. <laughs> but I think that's, but I think that's the real question isn't so much, you know, whether or not Lincoln Riley is good at offense. It's like whether or not he's a good coach. Right. Cause if you looked at his record at, uh, at Oklahoma, he's 55, I think like 55 and 18 had two Heisman winners and still could not win a national championship. Like Oklahoma didn't even sniff it, you know? So again, it becomes, it comes, you know, what do you do with that? And how much money, again, how much money are you willing to lose? Because either way, you either continue to lose on the national stage and hurt your recruiting, or you let the guy go and you pay him a hundred million dollars over the next eight years. But like, that's a crazy conundrum to be in. And, and like, I, I think I could scrap together a whole bunch of fans from Ask for Football. We could put the coaching staff together, and you could pay us $100 million, and we'd be happy amongst the whole crew <laughs> you know, to move to Southern California and hang out in, in the sun and coach football. But it's it's just hard to believe that uh, these coaches now, particularly in the, in the era of name, image, and likeness, are still getting paid this much cash to uh, coach college football. And then, you know, the last part of it is that, of course, there's – always there's always rumors floating around about you know what's prime's next move does prime stay you know because once Shadour graduates or Shadour opts into the nfl does he go somewhere else i mean i don't think prime likes to leave uh, incomplete projects but he did leave uh jackson state for the right amount of money so I, what else was he going to do at jackson state like i mean serious question yeah no there, there nothing um, he brought in the number one recruit in the country, and they benefited so much from from Prime being there. Um, th they were blessed, and unfortunately, they probably won't be able to recreate that. But uh, I think Prime's got to be careful if he uh, about leaving Colorado because you know some of these bigger schools are going to be like, "Hey, man, we want you for five to ten. You know, we, we you know we're not gonna." invest a whole season or invest our team's future if we're only getting you for whenever your kids graduate you know that's I, fair I, yeah i don't I, but i don't i don't see him being that kind of coach i i legitimately think like part of, at the beginning of the season like he got a lot of hate and i think part of the reason why he did was because he's playing the nil thing better than any other coach in college football and gotcha. people just haven't figured it out yet yeah. you know but when you look at his personality, it kind of fits with, you know, when you look at his him as a player and as an athlete, you know, 
that was kind of who he was. Like he was always in the limelight, always in the spotlight, knowing how to get the shine on his team. So, I mean, that makes it pretty easy for him to do that. But like when you look at the coaching carousel, man, there are some coaches that are on the ropes. I know Matt Rule, I saw a tweet from him this week that like he was like, hey, look, man, it's like this is like uh, he's like being a coach in a college football team is like being involved with the mafia. One day they bring you in. The next thing they take out and they whack you, you know, he's like, it can happen quickly. And it's like, that's a fair point, you know, particularly when you have a program as storied as, as like Nebraska, you know, everybody thought Scott Frost was the second coming and they were going to, you know, come back and, you know, win the national championship. But like some of these teams, like I legitimately think like some of these teams have a toughness issue. Like if you look at USC, if you look at, uh, you know, if you look at Nebraska, those guys get punched in the face and they don't recover. But uh, speaking of recovering, we have a guy that will help you recover some of your funds if you try to refinance your house. So I'm going to toss it over to Dano for the read this week. Yeah, man. Uh, As for Football is sponsored by Craig Oxane, the vice president of residential lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. He is a member of the West Point class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states based out of Chicago. Friends, Craig is one of the largest, most successful VA lenders in the country. He's going to offer you super competitive rates, but even more importantly than that, he's going to be available when you have questions about your mortgage for him, which is not a small deal, right? This mortgage process is super confusing. Got rates moving all over the place. You're signing all of this freaking paperwork. Like, this is not the time you want to deal with somebody who just wants to make a buck off you. Somebody who just thinks you're a number, like some random call center, big box bank, whatever. Like, Craig is a person. You call him. He personally answers the phone. This is how the West Point Network functions. Craig is helping us stay in business here at As For Football, and we're trying to help you get the best deal on a mortgage that we can by introducing you to the man that you need to meet. Plus, Craig does not charge lenders fees for veterans. It's a huge savings. It's like $1,300. Like, that's a lot of money. Save yourself $1,300. So, Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending. Check it out. His link's on our website. Just go to asforfootball.com. Press the little button. Fill out a questionnaire. Couldn't be easier. You'll be talking to Craig in a couple of hours. Thanks, Dano. All right, so let's move on to the games of the week. There's no action this week on Wednesday because of the holiday. You've got some Tuesday night matchups, and, of course, you're going to have the the Commanders and the Cowboys as traditionally on Thursday for or for Thanksgiving. But the Jets and the Dolphins are actually playing a Black Friday game. So, you know, pretty brilliant marketing from Amazon. i got to give them a tip of the cat. So, hey, like while you're watching on Amazon Prime, order some stuff for Black Friday. I mean, it's miserable. Pretty damn That's, genius. I, I look. I, I get why they did it, and and I understand that it's a business, but it's miserable because that's the day for college football. And um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is just my bias, but college football is a thousand percent more interesting than the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one hundred percent. But Tuesday night matchup. So we got games on Tuesday. We're recording this Monday night. You got Bowling Green and Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, and Buffalo. Those are both ESPN family and networks. I think those would actually be some pretty good games. Uh, those are actually interesting contests, and again, like you can't go wrong with with the Tuesday and Wednesday night matchups. They're usually more parody in those. Uh, Thursday, so Thanksgiving Day, you've got uh, the Egg Bowls. You got Ole Miss and Mississippi State. That kicks at seven thirty, so that'll be after the NFL game, and that'll be on ESPN. Friday, November the twenty fourth, you've got uh, Iowa going to wrap up their season by bludgeoning freaking Nebraska about the head and shoulders. You got TCU and Oklahoma trap game for sure, based off of the way that TCU played last week. And Oklahoma has been, you know, they've been good, but they've been up and down, you know, and like they can walk into this one, get caught sleeping, and, and TCU could pull a fast one on them. Uh, you got UTSA and Tulane. That's a really good American matchup. UTSA is is in the driver's seat to win the doggone thing, and then Tulane is ranked. So we'll see who comes out on top on that one. I mean, that's got to be the game of the day, right? For on Friday. It- yeah call me crazy yeah i think that would that would be the the best one to watch then you got air force at boise state i think that one will be a good game i don't know if that uh, it's on the smurf turf so of course that'll be usually those are usually interesting games regardless of uh when it happens you've got number nine missouri taking on arkansas that should be a good game in the uh sec missouri's on a hot streak right now oh uh, they look pretty good after they lost to uh to bama and arkansas you know they're the middle of the road like they're the second tier of the SEC, but they continue to win. 
not all the time, but when they do, it's a pretty big deal. You've got uh, Penn State and Michigan State in Detroit, Michigan this week. And that's a 7.30 kick, and that's going to be on NBC and Peacock. That'll be an interesting game. I mean, Michigan State is actually playing better. I won't say they're playing great, but they're playing better. They've consistently improved over the season since uh, Mel Tucker left. I think the backup, the the new coach or the interim coach, he's probably worked himself into a, a coaching job, maybe. Uh, we'll see. That's another one of those that's kind of on the coaching carousel for next year. Uh, don't know. I know Joe would have a heart attack if uh, Urban Meyer's name was bought up. To take... <laughs> Put that on me. To take over Michigan State, but uh, we'll see what happens. And then, of course, you got Texas Tech and Texas. That's, again, that's another trap game. Like, if you're playing anybody in Texas on uh, Thanksgiving or the day after, you can get slipped up for sure. And then, of course, we got Oregon State and Oregon. Truly expect this one to be, you know, a close game. Advantage Oregon because they're playing at home. But Oregon State has been known to catch these dudes in week 13. And that's usually the week that uh, I anticipate Oregon losing this game. Why? Because they've done it so many times before. It does not surprise me. Uh, moving on to Saturday. Wow. And we just got to note Tulane, UTSA, SMU are all in our 7-0 in the ACC. So most likely the winner of Tulane and UTSA plays SMU in the conference championship. Which Yeah, the difference is the out-of-conference uh, schedule. Um, yeah. UT UTSA obviously took the L to Army, which is a bad L for them to take in the national level. They also lost to Houston, but they've been perfect in the American Conference, and they look better down the stretch than Tulane does. Not to get all AFF on you, but Omar has been doing a lot of really good work on the website. So yeah, he has. Uh, yeah, so if you're if you're an Astro football fan, like there's a lot of great American coverage. So please dive in because Omar does really great coverage of of that. Uh, Moving on to Saturday, so 12 o'clock kicks, man. Like, this is one of those things that nobody's going to care about, but I know that it's one of those games that people will be watching depending on uh, where your head is locally. you got UConn and UMass. That's kicking at noon. I think that'll be an interesting contest between two teams that are just struggling to get by. Uh, uh, if you want to uh, flip over to the big game, so the game is going to be played noon at, uh, at the big house. You got number two, Ohio State, going to play Michigan. This one's this one's a weird game to watch because if you've been watching these two teams all season, Ohio State is clearly trending upward, and Michigan is, I won't say that they're trending down, but they have at least plateaued. And I think part of it is, you know, J.J. McCarthy missing those one-on-one -on -one conversations that he gets with Coach Harbaugh on the sidelines has really affected the way that he plays. And, and this is me just observing the game. I am not a Michigan homer, but watching these, you know, watching – Michigan struggled the last couple of weeks offensively, them not being comfortable enough to really throw a lot in the second half, you know, conservative play calling, like that's not a, that's not going to beat your rivalry team, you know? And, and, and I think it's the exact opposite of service academies when you get into the bigger conferences. Cause if you try and hold back or play not to lose, that's exactly what's going to happen. Joe, what are your thoughts? You know, every year there's stuff that comes out in the Ohio state game that I have not seen Michigan run all season, every year. Um, I feel like Sharon Moore has done a phenomenal job at Michigan, but asking him to fill Jim Harbaugh's shoes might as well be the same thing as asking me to do it. You can't do that, especially he's got, Jim Harbaugh's played 14 years in the NFL at the same position as J.J. McCarthy. No one can make those in-game reads for a quarterback like he can. And you'll have to forgive Georgie. He's yelling in the background. But I think Michigan, possibly, you could be correct, but they surprised me last year. I wasn't expecting that in the Ohio State game. And J.J. has been lights out against Ohio State the last two years. Um, I'm worried about Michigan's two offensive linemen that got hurt, Ladarius Henderson and Miles Hinton. Um, Henderson might go. Hinton, I don't think he – I think he might be done. Um, and then Michael Barrett, defensive captain – goes off the field. Um, Roman Wilson got hit in the head on the first play. He was in street clothes before the half was over. Um, I don't know if that's a precautionary sit, but yeah, I worry a little bit about that game. I think the under is the bet to make in that game because I don't think Ohio State scores 21. I think first I think first team to 24 wins. Yeah, uh, that, really. I think that's a, I think that's a fair assessment because you know if you look at if you look at the Ohio State defense and and like hey you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that Ryan Day would be on the hot seat given the fact that uh, 
Like a couple of years ago, we were talking about how bad the defense was at Ohio State. So what did he do? Like, hey, I'm an offensive-minded guy. I'm going to go get Jim Knowles, and Jim Knowles is going to tighten up the defense. They have one of the best defenses in the country right now, you know, and it's quietly muddling along. And, like, everybody was shocked when the first playoffs came out, and they said, oh, yeah, Ohio State's number one. And, like, well, why? Well, look at their strength of schedule. They had some quality wins, and they were keeping people off the board. And that has been their biggest advantage this season. You don't have to have this super explosive offense that scores 60 points a game when your opponents are averaging 17 points. So like you said, I think it will be a race to 24. And uh, whoever gets there first, uh, this one, don't be surprised if this one goes down to the wire. So if you are not planning on watching this game, tune in at about uh, 2.30 because – You'll be able to watch uh, the finale, the the second half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, because I think this game is definitely going to be, you know, within reach of both teams at that point. Now, moving on, you got Navy at SMU. All right, so this one's an interesting one, too, because SMU is undefeated in the AAC. Navy needs the win, and this one has impl- implications for the next week and the week after that, because if Navy doesn't win, then they have to go in, beat Army, and because... Like, I don't know how it all stacks out. There's like 57,000 different bylaws, and like you literally have to be a lawyer to understand everything that's going to go on. But there's some bowl implications for Navy. So if they don't beat SMU, then their bowl may be on the line, even if they are, you know, six and six at the end of the season. So more to follow on that. You got Texas A&M against LSU. Like, we cared about this earlier in the season. We don't care now. You've got Liberty at UTEP. See if they can continue to run the table. Liberty is the best group of five team in college football right now. I mean, it was JMU up until they ran into App State. No surprise there that uh, App State gets an upset victory. You've got the Iron Bowl kicks at 3.30. So after you've uh, recovered, uh, thrown some uh, leftovers down your throat, you can watch the Iron Bowl. you got James Madison and Coastal. That was an interesting matchup until this week. Right, because both of those teams were were turning upward and were hot. No, no, that's that's still a very interesting matchup because Coastal can make it to the Sun Belt Championship if they win because they beat App State head to head at App State. So that's actually a really high leverage game, not so much for James Madison, but because they they can't go to the Sun Belt Championship. But if if Coastal loses, and I wouldn't say they should be favored, then App State for all the craziness that's happened is going to go to the Sunbelt championship, which is does anybody, does anybody know the line on that one? Cause that, that looks like an interesting game. I would... it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. No, hang on. I'll look it up. Which game? All right, so for JMU and coastal. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't see that line. Cause I, I'm with you the top 25. I think JMU got Vile out of the top 25, didn't they? Yeah, they did. So you got, you got Vanderbilt and Tennessee, Tennessee needs to just, Wax Vandy, man. Like, man sucks. Tennessee needs Tennessee needs a quality win. Like, they're not really going too far the rest of the season. So, if you can put a stamp on it by beating up uh, your in-state rival, go for it. You know, JMU minus not is what Walt says. You got uh, UW against Was- or Washington State against the Cougars. Like, that'll be an interesting game. Again, usually in these contests, the advantage is to the home team. So, you got Washington at home against Washington State. The Cougars are struggling this season. They are bowl eligible but you know i think it's like they're like seven and four something like that they're not the top team and they would they're five and six actually five and six yeah they they would love to undercut washington and ruin michael Penix's chances of you know winning the heisman trophy and potentially going to the playoff and that's really their only motivation and cam Ward can spin it too so yeah. there should be some points in that game yeah it should be a good one then uh you got florida state at florida again wouldn't care if they were if Florida State was playing at home, but this is in Tallahassee, so you've got <laughs> you know, or it. This is going to be interesting because it, like Florida home team has the advantage in Florida, Florida State. It's always been that way. Uh, and Florida plays to the level of their competition. Plus, you've got Jalen Daniels is out, so it'll be an interesting start. Uh, Notre Dame at Stanford again, mildly interesting game when Stanford was competitive, but uh, not so much for Notre Dame. They just need to continue to roll. They'll get a bowl game, but it'll be a middle tier, you know, after Christmas, but not New Year's Six bowl more than likely. You got Georgia and Georgia Tech. Hey, the Ramblin' Wreck has uh, pulled surprises before. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Georgia's been playing with their food all season. Brock Bowers looks like a grown-ass man playing tight end for Georgia. <laughs> like, it, he's hurt, though. He's out this season. He's out for the rest of the season. 
So the amazing yeah. thing is that that offense still works without the best, arguably the best player in the country, certainly the best player on Georgia. Yeah, well, they got that. They got their wide receiver back, so he's he's a pretty solid uh, second to Brock Bowers. You got Arizona and Arizona State. That game actually became super interesting just because Arizona has been trending upward big time, and Arizona State uh, they play okay, but they may be able to to pull one by. I think that one will be close in the first half, and then Arizona will bulldoze them more than likely. You got BYU at Oklahoma State, Colorado, Utah. Like again, nobody cared after this past weekend because Utah has bounced themselves out of the top 25 by not being able to close out games. Even if Colorado wins, they're not going to be bowl eligible. But even still, like if you look at the, the totality of Colorado's season, they ran, they won entirely three more games than they were expected to this season. Uh, Kentucky at Louisville, that'll be a good game. And the North Carolina Battle of the State in North Carolina versus NC State, and that'll be the late kick. And I don't know what time it's coming on yet because it hasn't been announced. Anyway, we'll pause for Weekly Locks. Weekly Locks. Dano, what you got? Yeah, man. Uh, I went one and two again this week. It's just been a miserable year picking games usf started strong against utsa but then the roadrunners beat the holy hell out of them in the second half talked about Pitt running all over bc and georgia at least covered against tennessee which sucks but at least i made that pick so i really as we said i really wish there were more college games on thursday a lot of times you look colorado state versus air force for the falcon ram trophy on thursday but that's not this year unfortunately uh, like we said, very into UTSA at Tulane on Friday. That's probably my game of the week. I'm going to pick the Roadrunners plus three at Tulane, uh, just based on what Omar said, that the Roadrunners are peaking, and Tulane has regressed all season. They haven't played anybody good in a while, and they've been in a bunch of tough games. Uh, I'm also going to take Boise State minus six and a half at home versus Air Force. Like, I don't know what happened to the Zoomies, but they do not look like the same team that won the first eight games straight. And Joe, I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to take Ohio State plus four at Michigan. Um, just like, you know, you talked about this already. One of these teams is peaking and the other one looks like it's regressed over the back half of the season. Sorry. Joe, you're up. It's, o it, it's okay. They'll lose by a field goal. That's fine. And you win your best. Uh <laughs> Uh, I went three and one last week, and the only game I missed on was Michigan Maryland. Uh, Michigan got the dub, but didn't cover. Uh, Georgia, I had them. They took care of business with Tennessee. I took Northwestern to beat Purdue, and they did. I had Louisville minus one and a half, and they beat Miami, and I threw a thirty-eight, thirty-one. Um, so this week, pick number one. This you guys are gonna laugh. Is the Tulane Tulane Green Wave to cover against UTSA at home? I could wow. want to be in a very good game where Tulane wins by a touchdown. Um, uh, I'm very surprised if that happens, but okay. You're certainly ahead of me on the picks. Pick, pick number two is going to be Alabama in the Iron Bowl to mm. roll Auburn. Auburn just got blown out at home by New Mexico State, 31-10. to 10. Auburn is minus 15, and I like them in this game, 37-13. Um Pick number three is a real wild one, but I like the Stanford Cardinal getting 26 points at home against Notre Dame. That's a long flight, and I've seen uh, Stanford play really well in games that they were huge underdogs, and I've seen Notre Dame choke in games where they were big favorites. Um, so it's got Stanford plus 26. Pick number four, I am going to take the Missouri Tigers. They have not let me down every time I've took them this season to cover seven and a half points against Arkansas on the road. Uh, if Missouri can beat teams like Kentucky by two scores, they can beat Arkansas by two scores. Um, and for my last pick, I'm going to take, once again, the Louisville Cardinals to cover seven points against Kentucky at home. I know this is a rivalry game, but Louisville is riding high after that Miami win and are one win away from going 11-1 and one on the season. And I don't think they've done that since Lamar Jackson. So that's uh, incredible. Louisville minus seven. All right. That's fair. Five picks this week. Wow. Boldness. Boldness. All right. So I went 0-3 last week, man. And it's because freaking offensive performances not showing up at Vlad. Yeah. So Minnesota did not score at all against the Buckeyes. I really thought that they would have a little something, you know, but – just goes to show you that shutdown defense that the Buckeyes has, you know, beat them by 34. Ohio State did. 
Yeah, they did. Like they they took their foot off the gas in, in like the middle of the third quarter, which I was like happy for, but I was hoping that that you know, PJ Fleck could do something. Uh, ironically, you know, I took Michigan to beat or to cover against uh, Maryland, and Maryland played them close. I mean, there are some defensive errors that or defensive plays that really kind of tipped the tide in Michigan's favor. But if it was not for the defense, they probably would have lost that game because, uh, you know, two or three, two picks, he had one pick six, and then the two safeties, which were basically kind of the difference in the ball game, really, when you look at it the, from the defensive standpoint. Again, uh, you know, USC fired their defensive coordinator, but yet their offense struggles. Like, that's completely ass backwards. I don't understand how that happens. I am no longer friends with USC. I'm not riding the blind overs anymore because that one cost me big time. Uh, I would say take the Buffaloes to cover plus 22 against Utah. I think it'll be a closer game than advertised. I think Prime will get the guys up for the last game of the season. He's going to be like, hey, you got to finish strong. You know, regardless of how the rest of the season looks, we've got to play it out. And the dude's an inspirational coach, so I give him props for that see uh it'll be close they'll probably you know buffaloes will probably lose by 21 points given the the way that it's going but uh hopefully they do better than that uh take bama to cover 14 and a half in the iron bowl again i think new mexico state gave them a black eye uh th- there's no there's no way that auburn isn't even going to come close to this like expect to see the the the, the clown team in and the third quarter against Bama. I said take the over against Arizona and ASU. Arizona may be able to put enough points up by themselves to cover that, given the way that they played the last couple of weeks. I love the Wildcats minus 11 and a half. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, ASU just did against Oregon. That yeah. could have been 78 to nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, or really shut it down. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, when, all, all, all good. But uh, I think this game would be a shootout, but offensively, Arizona's legit team, and they're peaking right now. So I think this will be a good game for them. And, you know, if, if ASU can throw in 10 points and Arizona scores, you know, 40, 42, 45, I think it'll be okay. Uh, yeah. Dano, you have a note? I do not have a note. Oh, no. no. I, th- um, I, I thought you did. Sorry. No. All right. No worries. Anyway. Uh, band, bandwagon fantasy sports update, man. The top three keeps fighting it out. Like I don't want to say it just yet, but I think Matt's going to pull this one off. I keep trying to, I keep trying to make trades at the last minute. I took ECU and literally thought like they would have a chance. Like that was a one game that they actually played good. Like every year is against Navy. And yeah, well, that was a smart play. It just didn't work out for you. I mean, oh. you had to take the shot. Yeah, but they played like they played like hot garbage on a freaking. You know, massive dumpster fire. Matt's still in the lead, nipping at his heels. I, I we have the same amount of away wins, but uh, he manages to keep that two to three point buffer. So unless he like completely collapses or is out of exchanges, then there's no way for me to catch up. But uh, banked on ECU, and that was the worst decision of the weekend. Anyway, gentlemen, it is now time to wrap this thing up. We have rivalries this weekend. We got games all week. We're recording the show early so we can get it out by Thanksgiving so everybody can watch it uh, in their off time and prepare for it because I don't think there's going to be a college game day uh, for Thursday games. So this will be your college game day if you want to check in and see what's going on in college football. The other part of it is, of course, got the Iron Bowl and the Egg Bowl this weekend. Got Florida, Florida State. And we got to get ready for conference championships, man. Like you're going to blink your eyes and we got conference championships the following week. And then of course the army Navy game. And there's some pretty high stakes in that because the CIC trophy is on the loose. Uh, Gut tells us based off of some, uh, some expedited research that James and the crew did before uh, the last show ended. Looks like it's going to be the rock of the Marne. If it's not, then that was the greatest ruse ever. And that's almost as good as a, moving the uh, D-Day operation 24 hours because of bad weather. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, but uh, Navy's uniforms, and, and we'll end with this since those are there. Uh, nice. Navy's unis, I don't know if you saw it, but I, I, I think uh, Navy is trying to remind their graduates to not make a scene. So they said, hey, we're doing silent service. And I think part of the reason why it's silent service is because the esteemed Navy graduate, Connor Stallions, had exposed himself and exposed the entire midshipman graduating organization to additional scrutiny this season 
with uh, all the shenanigans with Michigan. I think it's an unfortunate thing. I think everybody still signals. I think uh, just the level of shenanigans that he went to is really what caused the deal. But I don't know if you've checked out the Navy jerseys. They look like Michigan practice jerseys because they're just all blue. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's blue and the jerseys themselves are plain as they can be. Um, it's but it, it taken as a whole with the patches and everything, it's not a bad look. And I like the helmets. Um, it's good that they're honoring the actual Navy, but just the jerseys that they have on sale for the public, that's that's not a good look. Yeah, so. like I don't think anybody, I don't, I don't think any of my friends with any, you know, their three friends, pride, dignity, and respect, is going to drop any cash on those Navy jerseys. Who's going to spend a hundred with white uniforms and nothing? I mean. Yeah, you might as well you might as well buy a Penn State home jersey. Army brings back the eighty second jerseys, and Navy is done. Yeah. Best arm shooters I've seen in ten years. Yeah, and I'm and I'm still trying to get one. So again, out there for the wider college football audience, if you have one of those eighty second jerseys, again, I have a autographed helmet, mini helmet from Coach Munkin that I'm willing to part with as part of the deal. Was it a player? No, it was not. Oh, unfortunately, okay. it's a it's a mini helmet. Like you know, it's probably small enough to fit on your son's fist. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, guys, uh, this has been the college football roundtable for this week. We are moving into week thirteen. We got rivalries coming up, and it's Thanksgiving. So for those of you guys that are out there that are listening to the show, enjoy the time with your family or loved ones, because it is Thanksgiving. And uh, hold on to them tight, man, because you never know when they could uh, they could go away. And just, you know, give your family a big hug and kiss. Eat lots of turkey dressing and all the other good stuff. And if you go to the store today, you probably won't be as busy. And we're recording this on a Monday, so you have about 48 hours before you get slammed. And good luck on Black Friday for those of you that shop there. <laughs> but for the team here at the Astro Football College Football Roundtable, I'm Rob the Angry Colonel. Calling out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Ikebesa calling to you out of coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe out of the home of the big house and the location of the game this weekend. So, hey, sit back. Always enjoy college football. And if you have any additional questions, comments, or just want to get the mailing list, go to asforfootball.com forward slash subscribe. And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Eat Thanksgiving. Go Blue. <laughs> Good luck this weekend, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Join the AFF team for more hot takes and college football analysis. You can sign up for our mailing list at askforfootball.com forward slash subscribe. Or you can follow us on all social media platforms at Ask for Football. And as always, beat Navy.